share this podcast. If you know someone that's in, in the throes of addiction, share this thing because it can and it will be beaten. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, friends, and welcome to my 13th episode of the Altered Stories show. Thanks for listening to my show. My name is Michelle Saunders Gutch, also known as Michelle Renee Gutch, CEO, founder, and host of this life-altering show that shares amazing personal God stories of Christian women who've experienced God's redemption in their difficult circumstances. Today, I'd like to take the opportunity to bring you up today on some exciting show happenings and to share some credits. First, I'm excited to share that we're adding a new show guest feature called Healing Conversations with Tawana. Today, we will be launching this show and Tawana Clark Shepard will be talking with former show guest Teresa Blaze about her mom's opioid addiction and recovery. Also, for those that don't know, Tawana is the founder of Abundant Living Legacy Life Care here in Overland Park and is on our board. She's been a featured show guest where she shared her life-altering God story of mental health recovery, which led her to start her own mental health practice. She's also on multiple broadcast streams via her talk show, Talk About It with Tawana, where she raises awareness to the stigma of mental health, and she works tirelessly to be a voice for all who battle mental and emotional illness. Teresa Blaze is a former show guest and the rocking podcast host of the Unresolved Life podcast and Teresa Blaze Show. Her podcast show has been well-received by many and answers some of life's most difficult questions. Her Teresa Blaze Show is a great show for those of you that want to start an online ministry or faith-based ministry. And I've been blessed to be a guest on both of her shows. And I've heard through the grapevine, Tawana's probably going to be a guest too. So before we start the conversations, I do want to thank Michael and Teresa Blaze, owners of Kadosh Media, and Christopher Wright for their great work in helping grow the Altered Stories show. Without Michael and Teresa's great podcast coaching and, and recording, and editing support with Christopher's Magic, this show would not be where it is today with over 450 listeners, and we're adding a new feature. So let's get this show started. Welcome to Juana and Teresa. How are you both doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? (laughs) So can you ladies share... What one thing you would like the listeners to take away from the show today before we get started? Sure. So what I would like the listeners to take away from today's podcast would be just an overall sense of two things, to leave the podcast more informed than when they came, and then to leave with a renewed or a even maybe for the first time, just sense of overwhelming hope um, that addiction truly, truly 
can be recovered from, that you can live free, um, and that even as family members um, and close loved ones, um, we can also live free and victoriously um, from the effects um, of this epidemic. Well, praise God. That's awesome, Tawana. And Teresa, how about you? Um, I echo what Tawana said, but I'd like to add, you know, um, sometimes the freedom comes, like in my mom's case, the freedom comes by their passing on to the true freedom we have in Christ when they, when we uh, leave this earthly shell. You know, sometimes, you know, that's where the true freedom comes. But there is a way out. It's not as I mean, it's it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but there truly is a way out through God. Amen. So, Tawana, um, I'm going to turn this over to you now. And I know you and Teresa will be having some conversations around her experience. So go for it. So you were the um, you or you were your life was what I would call the kind of the product of the environment of addiction. And so oftentimes when um, I'm dealing with families, I'm dealing with household members, um, any place where several people kind of cohabitate or exist for a long period of time where there is addiction, especially with the matriarch or patriarch kind of becomes the environment of addiction. So can you tell us a little bit about just kind of your history, maybe start with um, how you grew up in the age at which you remember addiction, like really showing itself as kind of the culprit, if you will. I grew up, I mean, in general, my home was a broken home. In general, there was a lot of trauma and it was uh, compounding trauma upon compounding trauma, a lot of abuse, a lot of garbage. Um, I can, I can step into that if needed, but, uh, I know that my mom did actual, um, drugs. There was a time when she said, you know what, I'm going to get clean. And so she sent me off to a friend's house and she was getting off really hard stuff and she pretty much wrote it out cold turkey. Okay. So about how old were you when that took place? Oh God. Um, I don't recall my memory of. My younger childhood is exceptionally uh, splintered. I, I remember certain things, but I don't remember a lot of, I, like, I really have a hard time. I've, I've spent basically this past year in counseling for myself, putting together that timeline. Yes, because just to clarify for our listeners um, who, who may not be at all experienced or well-versed or maybe at the beginning of this or may not have connected the dots, what Teresa is describing is very common with trauma, especially when it has happened in a person's childhood. The brain's ability to kind of store so much explosiveness, if you will, um, is limited. And so what happens is it begins to kind of pick and choose what it stores. You, you can get those memories back, but that is very common and interesting um, to hear you say. It's it's almost like you're you have a very it's like you got shards of memory but you can't put them together. So and that's one of the common factors that I that I deal with. And actually, I've dealt with other people who've had similar um, circumstances. Regarding, I would say that the earliest that I knew something was wrong, and I mean I actually filled in gaps by learning from other people. I came home 
And my mother was like exceptionally out of it. I mean, and I was, um, I was in high school around this time. And I mean, she was out of it even so much that because my aunt Marge was living with us at the time and I'm looking at her and I'm going, what in the world? And both aunt Marge and I are saying there, we're the only ones with her. And we're like, you know what? We need to call it 911 because there's something really, really weird with you. We call 911, but then she actually um, like snapped out of it, had held a normal conversation with the EMTs. They assumed that I was lying and left, and my mom got really ticked off. So, do you remember what her response was? How did she show being, you know, really ticked off? In that moment, she showed it. She she was just like, "You don't need to call nine one one." Yet I'm perfectly fine. I'm like, "Mother, you weren't." You know, it, it it was. Now I think that one was an epileptic event, but I can't say for sure. But it, it but it was also. Um, I found out later that she had been taking my aunt Marge's uh, pain medicine. Later on, um, I had gotten married, and I get this phone call, and this was. 13 and a half years ago, I get this phone call from my mom saying, your dad's been abusing me. He's hitting me, this, that, and the other. And I didn't know what to think because I didn't believe that on my dad, but I also didn't know if I believed my mom. And all of a sudden we had to go back down and rescue her. And we found out through putting things together, what we figured out is she was addicted. And I mean, horribly addicted to opiates. So we move in back in with my dad and my mom husband and I do because we're trying to help him manage my mom and we had to literally have a lockbox for her pills with a padlock on them because she would take them forget she took them and then take them again and this was with what were these medications prescribed to your mom um, as a result of some injury or my mother was a wreck uh, she broke her neck and her back twice. She pretty much blew out almost every disc in her back. She was an absolute, absolute wreck. And it's interesting because statistically, we've got about in like 22 to 30 percent of people who are prescribed opioids end up misusing them and abusing them. And I suspect that that number in reality is higher. I believe I believe it's higher. I honestly do it's higher it's why i it's it's why i personally am a proponent of medical marijuana now i know that that's a that's a opinion that a lot of people may not agree with but i seeing the alternative i would rather see someone out of pain on that versus on pills that can kill you so you're you're basically kind of time kind of drew a timeline for us where you're a child starting out with this you're calling you're having to call the police you're having to practice a lot of self-care I'm sure a lot of adult behaviors very prematurely taking on the worry and the stress and generally speaking um, people who are children especially or someone who is just in a long-term relationship with someone who um, is struggling with addiction ends up suffering trauma and shock to their mind and emotions to the point where it causes them to then develop unhealthy coping mechanisms. That's one of the impacts. And so where do, do you, does that resonate with you? It does. Um, especially after, because um, my mom, 
Oh, uh, my mom passed away. Uh, I don't know if she overdosed or if she suicided. I to this day do not know. I just know I got a phone call saying that he found her. My dad found her. Uh, there was a lot of odd things around the death, which I don't want to get into, but that happened. And then on top of that, I lost the rest of my sight in the same week. I had, Because I had been a Christian for a while, but when I lost the rest of my sight, I walked away from God for five years. On top of everything, I just, I was, I was done. I was completely done with him. And I delved into um, text-based gaming, which is, uh, um, it, uh, it, it deals in muds, uh, multi-years on dungeons. Uh, it brings a, a lot of occultic playing. Depending on the type of games you play, it has, has a lot of occultic imagery. It has a lot of occultic draw. Uh, there's a community there. And I began to really, really dive into it. I would spend hours and hours and hours and hours uh, playing this thing. So you would say that for you, let's talk, unpack that a little bit more. As we're talking about the impact being unhealthy coping strategies, and then for you, you're, I'm assuming this was the high, the, like the highlight for you of all the unhealthy things maybe that you engaged in, becoming addicted to the gaming, and then kind of uh, being exposed to what, you, what, what is the occult. How did that, how did that impact your quality of life? Well, at the time, um, I was also dealing with uh, CPS was trying to take my kid because they said that I that we were medically unable to care for her because she's a special needs kid. So they were pretty much looking at me going, well, she's checked out. Mike was trying to take care of me, but he didn't realize that I was dealing with a lot of grief because, well, crap, I just lost my mom in my sight. So, um, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to even express that stuff. And I kind of got into the mindset of crap happens. You just deal with it. And I didn't, but I didn't know how to deal with it. So I, I uh, buried it. It almost destroyed my marriage. I'm very grateful that God got a hold of me, got, got my intention, but um, I, I pretty, I pretty much would go to church, but as far as I was concerned, he, I knew he existed, but I wanted nothing to do with him. Would you say that, um, there was a great deal of anger because that's a huge part of it. Just confusion in the, in the, just in the realm of anger and blaming and shaming. When you hear those three things in your journey with dealing with an addicted parent, what, what comes to you when you think of anger, blaming, shaming? When, when, when I, when I would think of my mom, I was, I was exceptionally angry. Um, I don't know that I was angry at her because I didn't know how to deal with that. I was just, I was just angry. Like I said, at the time, I didn't know how to express that stuff. I just didn't, you know, I grew up, you don't, you don't show emotions, you deal with things. You know, I just, I just didn't express stuff. And the only way I knew if I needed to go um, deal with something, I got, I went in and I, and I went on a hunt in, in games and I went to kill things just so I could get that out of my system. It was better than me showing anger. And that is such a huge breakthrough correlation is what I'd call that. Making the correlation between a space to vet that anger and your addiction to the violent games. Absolutely. 
in the midst of all of this, you say that you're angry. Um, now you're being exposed to the um, occult. And it wasn't the first time I was ever exposed to the occult either. That's a, huh, that was my, uh, that was just kind of the, um, it, you know, it was part of the gaming. I didn't, eh, okay, whatever. But that wasn't my first exposure to the occult in general. So do you, would you say that having, having grown up in an environment of addiction, there's many, now there's many, many, routes, I would say, to being vulnerable to that. But would, do, where do you see or how do you see growing up in an environment of addiction causing you to be more vulnerable to that, to being exposed to that and being drawn to it, should I say? Like drawn to the addiction itself? Drawn to, drawn to the occult. Uh, um, I think before I became a Christian, because I became a Christian at, at the age of 15 or 16, which kind of plays a, a factor into this because I was the only Christian in my family at that time. Okay. Um, before I became a Christian, um, I had an experience um, where I had an encounter with a, what I would now term was a demonic being. I was at my, uh, because I was attending the blind school and um the school itself was built on an Indian burial ground. And so there was always the ghost stories and I was like, yeah, right. Whatever, whatever. Okay. I'll believe that when I see it. And I was out with my friends, we were talking and we noticed that one of the dorm lights was on. Well, what happened? Well, the dorm itself was supposed to be empty. There was no one supposed to be in that dorm for that year at all. So we got curious and we start walking over to check out what's going on. There was no one in the, the the lobby that we could see but the lights were on and so we're talking and i heard a voice it was as close as someone might be standing next to me and i knew it came from my left side and it it was female and it was almost ethereal and it said children i looked over at my two friends i'm like you guys didn't just hear that right and they're like oh no actually we did um i knew two things whatever the th- whatever the hell that thing was i want nothing to do with it it was evil I, ne- I never ran so hard on my life. I, I immediately booked it. I believe personally that God allowed me to experience that to show me there is something supernatural. Um, you know, now the question is, hey, there is something supernatural. What are you going to do with it? Right. And that is a perfect segue into. So now what in, in, in your God story, your testimony of, of, how this became a story of light winning out over darkness for you personally, as someone who is kind of being affected, not yourself battling that particular addiction, but you're being affected and you're angry and you're confused about God and all those things. And so how then did you go from that to winning the you know, should I say winning the the battle, if you will, we're still in the war, I believe, but winning the battle over kind of your life being consumed by being the child of someone who was addicted by the power of God. How did that transition happen? It did not happen overnight. Um, It really didn't happen overnight. Um, It started with me going to a women's retreat um, I really didn't want to go, but Mike thought it was a good idea. Mike is my husband. Um, and I thought, all right, whatever. I agreed to go. And uh, 
<clears throat> I um I remember the first encounter with God after five years. I was, you know, I was just kind of walking, kind of getting ready to go into the next session. And he was like, you're still angry at me over your blindness. And, or no, that was another setting. And I was actually sitting at a prayer group at that time. And I went, yeah, and, and he didn't answer that. The next step that I recall very clearly at the event was, um, he said, you know, that stuff that happened to you 20 years ago. I want you to write. I want you to write a book. I want you to outline what's happened in your life. And I went, not only no, but no, that's not happening. Uh, but the funny thing is, just through those interactions and an overflow, like a, a session of just praise and worship that was going on, where I finally began to open up to one of the ladies. Funnily enough, not so much about the addiction but about some of the trauma that had happened early on in my childhood that I hadn't really dealt with um, dealing uh, with um, murder and that kind of thing. Just through opening that up, it almost seemed like he didn't really push me on the addiction, but it was more like, let's deal with some of these other things and then we can deal with this. And that began a process where I had to come face to face with crap. Yes, I'm a Christian, but I have a lot of unresolved issues. I have a lot of issues that I need to find some answers for. And that led to me starting the podcast because I figured, well, if I have these issues and I need to find out some answers, then maybe other people, then maybe other people do too. And so why don't I just take it to the mic? Basically what happened was, you know, I took everything to the mic and then God led me to a counselor who also dealt a lot in spiritual warfare. And um, I have been, just gradually working through those issues. It's not, you know, it's not been a, it's not been a um, overnight deal, but it's been a wild journey. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. Um, and I think it is really important that you then incorporated the presence of some Christ-based guidance, professional guidance. Um, I think that's a good place to definitely inform, remind, or encourage our listeners that there is, there are spirit field counselors, qualified professional counselors available um, to you. And, and now more and more with all of the networks that we have available um, through the World Wide Web, um, it is even easier to find that source and that resource, especially if you are particularly looking for um, assistance and support that is more um, spirit-filled than, um, than not. What would you say to someone who still has that broken child inside of them that has been impacted by addiction and they're, they're just looking for some hope, they're looking for a resource, whatever. What would you say to them that you feel like God would want you to tell them? First of all, don't hide it. That could be, that is the worst thing you can do. I, under, you know, you may be going through a lot of stuff. I get that. I've been there. Don't hide it. But second of all, reach out to Christ. Uh, he says that he's come to heal the brokenhearted and he 
by his stripes we are healed. That doesn't just mean, oh, um, he's going to heal my, my, my small things. No, he can handle anything and everything that you got. A, a, a good um, a ministry that, that I like, he likes to term it the blood and guts of life. He can handle that. So I would strongly suggest someone reach out to Christ and then reach out and find someone that can help you walk through that minefield because I've been there. And, you know, that kind of brings me brings to my memory a couple of a couple of scriptures um, that Romans six and seven, it right there, that sense of hope that talks about we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer are enslaved to it. And, and, and um, just the hope and understanding that there are, yes, there are models out there and everyone has their own um, preference of what they kind of resonate with in terms of model for recovery. But I personally, um, as a therapist, I treat people and I let them know up front, I will, I treat them based upon the fact that there is total freedom from it. Um, I treat them based upon the fact that um, how, however they choose to see themselves, but I personally believe for them that they don't have to forever identify with being addicted and just in recovery. Um, Because I believe that's what scripture teaches us that who the, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So, a, you know, there's that total thing. It's, it's not just the freedom that the world gives, but it's a total freedom. Um, and so the other one, though, that came to me actually first when you said what you said was First Peter 5 and 10 that reminds us that though we have been downtrodden and have suffered, we can again find strength and become whole again because it talks about the God of all grace who calls us to his eternal glory in Christ after we've suffered a little while, though it seems forever, but it's a little while in eternity's sense, will himself restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Yes, that's awesome. Ladies, what a great conversation. I mean, I just love this, and um, I just really think the healing power of Jesus Christ that came into your story, Teresa and Tawana, where you come from is just so amazing. And then today we're sitting here and you two ladies are having a beautiful conversation. You know, it's all a God thing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, God be the glory. Absolutely, Tawana. In wrapping up here, so Tawana, you, um, even in your previous interview and your episode page and um, the way we've marketed your podcast, you have a lot of links to different um, locations where people can contact you for your services. And there's also on yours, Teresa, you know, information out there too. And I'm assuming that, you know, we're going to have women, men, maybe listeners today that are going to maybe want to tap into this 
in a little more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe want to reach out to either one of you. Um, are you ladies open to this too? Totally. Totally. I've, oh, totally. I've always yes, said it. Of course. Okay. I've always said that. Yeah. All right. It's just, you know, I, I just think um, the whole journey of addiction. I mean, I know we, we, we talked about first Teresa, the addiction that your mother encountered and then the fallout of that. And then what that led to in the addictions that you two discussed with gaming and, you know, all of, all of that, but there's so many different types of addictions. At yes, least sir. that's what I've encountered. Um, mm. But anyway, this this particular uh, addiction is an epidemic, and I'm assuming that to one of you, just on your statistics, you know, this is. I'm hoping we're making inroads with implementing spiritual guidance and directing people to Christian counselors and, you know, seeing freedom that comes out of it. And that freedom, of course, Teresa, you are an example of. So this is really cool. And also in wrapping up, I do want to just share that we would love um, for those of you that are listening to share our podcast with those that would have an interest. Um, We're always looking for stories. And if you know of anyone that has a story of uh, addiction recovery, any God life altering stories, um, we always are looking for those. And you can go to our website at www.alteredstories.org. We also welcome your generous donations and sponsorships as well as we have so many different women out there that have stories that need sponsoring. So in wrapping up, any last words, Tawana or Teresa? Share this podcast. If you know someone that's in, in the throes of addiction, share this thing because it can and it will be beaten. And I would just add to that um, to remember that this is um, a resource by which people truly can. Some people have never heard that they can be completely free from addiction, from the effects of it, um, from the trauma and the effects of it. Um, And so it's really important that um, we get that message um, out there because I believe that that message um, mostly aligns with the word of God, who is indeed um, the God who heals and delivers and sets free. Amen. That is so awesome. So thank you for that hope. Again, thank you so much for taking the time today to be on the show, impart your your experience and your insight, your godly insight. Mm. And uh, Teresa, as well as for being so open and vulnerable and being willing to share your experience. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a new, nonprofit evangelistic talk show for women. 
Our ministry is located in Overland Park, Kansas. And if you enjoyed listening to today's show, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of everyday women too. So why don't you share the link to our podcast on your social media? And we welcome your feedback. So let us know what you think. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories. We welcome your tax-exempt financial donations. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, log on to our website, alteredstories.org. That's alteredstories.org.